Hello everyone, and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do, the UK's premier RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Gaz, and with me, as usual, from his shed of shenanigans down south is my good friend Ben. <laughs> How's it going down there, Ben? Very well, thank you. How is everybody? We're all doing well here. And you say everybody, because once again we've got a special guest. We are Legion. <laughs> we are many. So, we went to the Kraken Gaming Retreat in the wilds of Brandenburg not long ago, and one of the excellent new friends we met there was Tasha from Ukraine. She is the co-founder and one of the permanent gems of the Idea Roll YouTube channel. So, welcome Tasha. Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolute pleasure. And are you allowed to tell us where you're calling from today? I'm joining from Kiev, Ukraine. Lovely. Well, thanks very much for making the effort to be online. I know it's not easy over there at the minute. Yeah, it, it's like, it's fine, all things considered. <laughs> life, life still goes on, right? We can still make, still have games, hopefully. We were just discussing a few days ago that uh, life is short, live it quickly, or live it with high quality. You kind of have to choose. Right. <laughs> Very true. Good to have you on from Radio Free Ukraine. So, uh, as I mentioned, we met at the the Kraken, which is, uh, as a long-time listeners will know, but for new people, is a gaming retreat that's sort of halfway between Berlin and Hamburg. It's about a week if you go for the extra days, and it's lots of fun games with an international crowd, people from England and Ukraine, obviously, from Switzerland, Belgium, Germany, France, America, Australia, all over the place. And it's kind of got a nice, relaxed, sort of laid-back atmosphere, but with lots of games going on as well. So uh, how did you find out about it, Tasha? It was actually a fun story because uh, a friend of mine uh, and a fellow gamer, Oleg, uh, I think he was following Kraken for a couple of years. He initially learned about it from, uh, I think, Sandy Peterson's Twitter or something. Right. And he thought it might be cool to visit one day, but it was always something else going on. Mm-hmm. And then this year, um, he found it again, dis- rediscovered it and, <laughs> and showed it to me. And I did not even uh, hear all he had to say about it. I heard uh, a convention, uh, Call of Cthulhu fans, do you want to go? And I was like, yes, yes, book it, please. Excellent. And when you were there, one of the games you managed to play, I think, was with our Ben. It was some Blaze in the Dark for the first time. So do you just want to give us a pressy of how that was for you? Oh, it was amazing. Yes, uh, thank you, Ben, once again. I was a bit intimidated Um, Because I heard different uh, things about this system. Somebody loved it, somebody hated it. I was definitely interested to try some heist uh, fun in um, tabletop RPGs. So when I saw a one-shot announce, I was like, yes, this is my chance. I I love to try new systems when somebody is running it for me instead of reading a book and discovering my rules. That part is a bit boring for me. <laughs> uh, if I start from zero scratch, but then if someone if someone runs a game and I love it, then I'm very motivated to actually go through the book and discover all of the fun stuff. Um, yeah, so I tried Blaze in the Dark. I loved it. We played in some, as far as I understand, unusual setting, uh, modern day. Maybe Ben can tell more. Sure. Yeah. So this was a it's a reskin, more than a hack, I suppose, but it's a basically Ocean's Eleven. Um, and it came about from my love of various board games. And I'm so terrible at board games that I took up role-playing because there's no winners and no losers. And <laughs> But nowadays, I can use those board games to sort of play role-playing games. So there's, um, there's a fab board game called Burgle Brothers, and there's Burgle Brothers 2 as well, which is all about uh, con men um, doing a heist on Las Vegas casinos, just like Ocean's Eleven, really. 
And while I was there noodling away on some blades in the dark, I thought I'd change a few words, slap a few pictures on it and see what happens. And I was genuinely worried that I didn't have enough organised for this game. Guys, I'll tell you, the, the night before, I went back to the <laughs> went back to my room uh, and I said, I'm going to have to punch it up a bit, guys. I've got nothing here, mate. I've got some locations. I've got some NPCs. I've got some things that might happen. And I've got my character sheets. I just don't know if it's enough. So I was intimidated by my own game as well. But, but you and Frederica and Jules really brought... Uh, a great time to that game there were three players and and I think every time we broke to go and get a glass of water we were like running back to the table to find out what would happen next so we loved it yeah it was amazing and you made it uh, look so easy and you looked so confident <laughs> that I actually had an idea that maybe I can run something like that for my team and I came back and I was like you know what guys I tried this uh, Blades uh, in the Dark thing it, it was lovely let's do a one shot and they are like no 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 like, yay for the blades, but no, you got it drawn. It cannot be run as a one-shot. It's like, I'm telling you, I played it. Yeah. It was fun. They're like, no, 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 no. It's like, yeah, Las Vegas. And they're like, wait, what? Vegas? Nowadays? Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. that's when I got them interested, because this there is something go. very uh, non-typical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a good friend of the show and often a, a, a stuntman for our show is Guy, who was at the Kraken as well. I'm sure you remember Guy. Yeah. He made he he says you can do a one shot out of anything, and we we sometimes dare him to do it with all kinds of bizarre systems like Ask <laughs> Magica or whatever, because anyone could do a one shot in Call of Cthulhu. That's you know that's a really good thing for that particular game. But Guy wants to try it with all sorts, and I think it was him that inspired me, and I know he has done a Gaz in the past as well to just try these things that people say are unplayable or only get played in a certain way, and it just makes me want to go really okay. I'll take that as a challenge. And usually you can do anything with a game if you've got the right people around the right table. Yeah, but that's also a bit of a challenge at the conventions because you're not always playing with people whom you know and you know mm -hmm. what to expect from them. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, some allocations just come up for um, a convention I'm going to next month. And I know I put specifically on one of my games, it's player-led. So it's, uh, it's well the Iron Sworn game. So it really requires players to drive things like Blades in the Dark does and what have you. And I know one of the players that signed up for it, and he's the most, like, I don't want to be unkind, but I'm definitely going to be. He's, he's just <laughs> really sort of, like, safe and boring and tries not to do anything that looks like he wants to double-check everything. He's, like, he's the last player in the world that I expect to play this kind of game. So I'm a bit nervous about it. But to the system and to the people around the table, maybe he'll step up. Maybe I'll report back in a month or two when, we, when we've played and see if he actually drives it. But do you find that as well, Tasha, that if you've got, people around the table who are enthused, that just gets you enthusiastic as well. Do you like that sort of like playing up and building on each other and, you know, just get the energy from other people? Yeah, definitely. That's one of the most favorite, most amazing things uh, for me in this in, in the role-playing games, discovering different types of um, and attitudes uh, of players. And then someone invents something and, and another one is building up on it and together. I know, like... Everybody, everybody is saying it. It's such a cliche, but it's truth. Also, we are there to build a story. And then when, when I see this clicking, like, aha, we have it up and running. It's, it's going on really nice. It makes me very happy. But also, as you mentioned about the safe play and, and conventions, I don't play very often, especially like my favorite horror uh, games. And um, whenever I get to play, I'm super excited. And most of the time I'm doing something stupid and I'm doing something <laughs> risky and dangerous just to give the GM the opportunity to 
spice uh, things up and do some crazy shenanigans. Uh, but this Kraken, I also played... I got to play actually a lot. I played probably more on during this few days of Kraken than during the previous year <laughs> or something. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the games I also played was Delta Green, which I play very, very rarely, but sometimes GM. And uh, the... The handler I used to play with like long time ago, he was very, mm, how do I put it, very tricky and not very generous if you do any sort of mistake. Mm -hmm. So I, I got used to like, you have to watch for yourself. You have to be very smart in this Delta Green stuff. And then the GM will anyhow throw uh, different uh, challenges on you. So this uh, one game we played, I was super safe. It, this was not my tip typical approach at all and um, I've been urging everyone also to be uh, more safe I don't know to wear gloves to take uh, weapons with our agents and, and stuff like that and in the end we made the best possible ending and the handler was like yeah you guys nailed it you you did everything <laughs> like super safely <laughs> it was fun but also a bit surprising because like wait did we survive did we beat it? Did we win that? The role-playing game, which is impossible to win by definition. <laughs> yeah. Well, that said, it's like part of it is, is is winning that everybody survives or is winning that you have a great time and whether you survive or not slightly yeah. material to that, isn't it? A little bit, I guess. Uh, how about you, Ben? You, you managed to come on to the Kraken for the first time. Do you have any of the highlight games? Or maybe do you want to repeat and tell us more about your Blades game because it was so good? <laughs> No, well, um, for me, the Kraken was, was a lot of firsts, actually, much like Tasha is my first Kraken as well, although you're very much a veteran, mate. So um, I loved every aspect of the Kraken, apart from the humidity. It was really hot. I mean, man, was it hot. So I could live without that. I'm of a certain age now, and I, I need my comforts. But we couldn't have been better looked after in every other respect. It's a delightful place to game, or not game, and just go for the vibe. What I was really really pleased about is that and i think this is one of the reasons why oleg and natasha would have come to kraken in the first place is ostensibly it's kind of a chaosium convention isn't it it's um it comes from tentacles from back in the day uh plenty of call of cthulhu on offer plenty of rune quest uh pendragon as well i think you ran some pendragon mm -hmm. yes. yeah so that those are like the normal games so to the kraken i suppose chaosium games are what d20 games are to gen con but I brought in my bag some of this sort of newfangled narrative stuff. And I was slightly nervous that I was, you know, I was being a bad guest, you know, going around someone's convention for the first time and, and bringing strange, <laughs> strange gifts. But all my games went down really well, uh, and I really enjoyed playing them. But what I liked most about them was the chance to play not only with strangers, uh, because I've played with loads of people I've never met before, but people from all over the world. Um, we, we have... Uh, uh, a guy from Brazil who lives in Iceland, don't we? More Germans than you can count. Swiss, Spanish, Ukrainian, Italian, a Greek guy who speaks fluent German. Uh, it was just, uh, it was so good to, to get a different a bit of diversity around my table and whether I played or gamed and see those sort of different viewpoints on, on how to approach gaming. And I hadn't, I just hadn't played with that many Europeans before. Mostly it was, you know, proper westerners uk and americans the occasional australian um but otherwise no so the games that i played were were all great i enjoyed every single one of them 
and they were just done in such good humour, which sometimes in the other conventions that I may have been to, it can be hard to keep that level of humour because you're sometimes packed into sort of an awkward environment or you're uncomfortable or tired or you've got to go to a bar where it's like 15 quid for a pint afterwards, you know. So <laughs> I I don't want to encourage too many people to come to the Kraken because I just want it to be for me now. <laughs> <laughs> don't want it to be like the hotels in Spanish Coast, you know. Tell everyone how nice it is and everybody wants to come. So... <laughs> So it's rubbish. I, I really wouldn't recommend it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, one of the things I know uh, about the German gamers, which is I know you can't you can't like label the whole country based on a handful of people, but however, <laughs> the, what, one of the game styles I know about them is they seem to self-edit themselves a bit more. So, like playing Call of Cthulhu or something, they'll always be like, "Oh, I want to do this." Oh no, wait, I wouldn't know that. I can't do that. And I find it's just a really odd thing that I haven't seen before that. The German players tend to, in my experience anyway, is think of reasons why they can't do something without the GM saying it or stopping it. It's like the player tries to stop themselves almost. But So that's that's curious. But it's just a different way of playing. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong. That's because they've had, they've had Tasha's GM, haven't they? They've had your GM that makes you put gloves on every time you pick up a gun and have all the paperwork in order. It's not a GM. It was me. <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I was a bad influence on the team. Despite my <laughs> best judgment, punish people for me, for not saying everything. Right. <laughs> what about yourself, Tosh? What do you think to the Kraken now you've been and uh, meeting other gamers and stuff? What, what have you got? Any reflections? It was amazing. It was also my first uh, offline convention, and um, as I said, I'm a big fan of Call of Cthulhu, so definitely Chaosum-centered event was an absolute uh, celebration for me like at birthday and new year's eve at the same time <laughs> i got to meet all of the wonderful people but of course initially i was most excited to meet the great uh, authors of the systems i love and play uh, and um, i got to play a lot uh, i played a lot of call of cthulhu and i played some other games and systems too and first of all it's about people i was really amazed at the very warm atmosphere because like the first day uh, me and Oleg, uh, we were like hanging out, not not really sure how to behave and what to do. And we would approach a table and say something like very polite, like, excuse us, do you mind if we will join you at this table? And people would look at us like, are you crazy or what? Yeah, grab a chair. Come on, let's chat or let's play or whatever. And then when you get into this atmosphere and you become part of this uh amazing uh, thing it's it feels great i would definitely love to come back despite the fact that for me it was almost three day trip to get there 20 hours Whoa. by train then i think six more hours by car and we slept in berlin and drive a bit more <laughs> i didn't realize it was that far i suppose oh yeah it goes to show how closeted i am in the uk that's that's a major achievement to even get uh, there. It's, uh, it's it's not about how far it's it's not that far away but we don't have uh, airplane connection because of the mm. war so the only way for me to get to europe is to go by train which is a nine hours uh, train from uh, kiev to poland and then seven hours more to get to my friend's place and then i would sleep at his place and we will jump to the car and drive uh, from wroclaw to berlin so it was a bit of planning but it was totally worth it and initially I came already exhausted and I thought like, wow, I've been on the road for a couple of days. I'm so tired and now I have to uh, 
to socialize and, and to do something else in the new location with tons of new people uh, for a couple of days more and I'm already tired. But then after the first couple of hours and all of this great energy and how welcoming people were, uh, it sort of gave me also a boost of energy and I played and I, I GM some games. Uh, so I, I feel a bit, as you said, common to chaos and event with uh, different systems like non-Call of Cthulhu system. <laughs> Yeah. I I suggested Fabian when we were talking before um, before I came that that I could run something. Obviously, Call of Cthulhu being my like top choice. Uh, this is the system I mostly run and I love. And like wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me I have to run the game in like fifteen minutes. It would be Call of Cthulhu, and most likely it would be awesome. <laughs> um, if you do say so yourself. <laughs> uh, but then apart from from it, I also run obviously other systems too and I mentioned some of them to Fabian like I can run this I can run that or Vesson and he's like run Vesson <laughs> bring Vesson everybody loves it um, so it was not my usual first choice system but I think it went great I was even asked to run uh, an, an unofficial game and I'm I'm told that uh, Kraken is a thing for unofficial games too <laughs> so now I'm a part of this team also uh, <laughs> I loved it absolutely yeah, it's um, it's the thing where bless you, Fabian, love Fabian, but he's very German, which means he's very organised. So if you let him, everything will be official games and booked well in advance before you even got there. Every slot an hour will be nailed down. But we had a mind revolt, so we have like official games like Friday to Sunday, and then there's unofficial games in the, the time before. And we have oh. convinced him because we're all such lovely people and nice gamers and happy to self-organise that unofficial games do work because you can just walk around, can't you, and say like. I've got this game. Is anybody? Are you doing a thing? Are you doing a thing? Would you like to play yeah. this? And like, you know, it'll happen. Actually, it worked the other way around for me too because some uh, some people found me saying like, uh, it's four of us and we have a free room and we would love you to run a game for us if it's okay with you. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and then uh, I really wanted to play some Pulp Cthulhu, uh, but uh, my um, my schedule. Uh, contradicted the only game announced and then actually uh, Sebastian he who was running and he was playing in my game and he loved it and we were chatting he's like yeah I'm, I'm running Pulp Cthulhu I wanted to play it and he's like I can just run another game for you when do you have time and I was like well that is so easy you would run an entire game just for me <laughs> just because I was busy when you were actually running it for everyone else and uh, yeah exactly as you said we were walking around like hey do you want to play Pulp do you want to play Pulp Cthulhu? We found some players and we played, and it was amazing. One of the best games uh, I had uh, at Kraken. So excellent. Yeah, I mean, I managed to have a bit of an easier time this time because I brought Ben and Guy and some of the others. So I've been called the NGM because I run so many games, but thankfully now I'm bringing so many gems with me. I actually get to make them run some games, and I don't have to do as many. Did you play so, anything? Yeah, quite a lot. Quite a lot, actually. Yeah, I played Feng Shui with with Guy. I played in one of Ben's Starforged uh, and a bunch of other stuff, really, yeah. But I probably played more games than I ran, which is a first at the crack, and I normally run more games than anything. But, <laughs> yeah, I got to do quite a lot of stuff. And I always think when I'm there, there'll be a slot or an afternoon or something that I take off just to relax and do nothing. But there's so much going on and so many people around doing cool things. I think I'd, I'd just get FOMO. I'd be there like thinking about what I was missing out on if I just sat on the corner by the lake on my own or something. <laughs> But also talking about organization, I also, I'm a bit used that whenever we're having an event, I'm always running something. Uh, and uh, 
we have a quite good community in Ukraine, but we're still like developing and growing and many people are switching uh, from Russian language to Ukrainian because obviously we had uh, uh, for many years uh, this language and cultural occupation also uh, from the Russian side. And uh, now a lot of people are switching and it's um, sometimes it's hard. Uh, but we're trying to make a welcoming community to encourage more people to play uh, in Ukrainian language or in Ukrainian setting also in different systems. And uh, we have some events, most of them are online, but also a few offline ones. And uh, very often we are approached like, yay, we're doing this event, will you uh, advertise for it? Will, will you join? Will you maybe run something? And I, I'm always running something. I'm always running mostly Call of Cthulhu, but not only. And uh, this time I was talking to father and I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. Maybe I can do a lecture or something. And he's like, wait, don't you want to play for a change? <laughs> and I was like, wow, is this an option? Can you do that? <laughs> it was lovely to change um, a role. I guess we should talk about Basin. It is like a, like a darling of gamers um it's it's gone berserk in the uk we've got our own source book of stuff now i think is that right guys we've got uk and ireland mm -hmm. some stuff coming out from free league that's right yeah yeah so um, yeah yeah we an official book. yeah 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 I, I mean free league are not shy about pushing out books uh, and i must admit i played basin when it was released with gas and i thought well you know there'll be another game along and i wonder if this one will just ebb away but basin seems to have picked up uh, um some steam hasn't it and it's still going and um, and is there anything you can tell us about the Ukrainian book of, of for, for Vason that there were copies of at Kraken? Uh, yes, uh, actually, friends of mine uh, uh, did that book. Mm -hmm. It's um, the PDF is available on Drive Through RPG for free. And uh, initially, it was based on the art project uh, Malovi. They just uh, released their best theory of uh, Ukrainian uh, spirits and monsters. I think less than a year before the Vesin book came out. And um, so my friends, they were developing the bestiary for Ukrainian Vesin, and they contacted the artists uh, of the art book and uh, agreed that they could take the art and uh, sort of develop uh, the backstories of different spirits uh, and add uh, stat blocks and everything you need to actually turn it into a tabletop RPG bestiary. And I think they did a great work i think you you guys actually got yourself a copy so you can also comment if you had a chance to have a look um i'm personally in love with it it has um i think 27 uh, ukrainian spirits and monsters uh, fit for uh gaming in uh, vesson they have plot hooks three plot hooks for every creature and uh, the, the general like everything that the regular Vesson monster would have like weaknesses rituals uh, types of attacks uh, background the habitat and amazing art uh, by Ukrainian artists. And um, yeah, uh, I ran an adventure based on one of the creatures from this book. I think it was a success. I loved every game and I get a very warm feedback. Yeah, so it's a beautiful looking book. Like I say, you can tell it's different artists because there's a variety of styles in there as well. So mm -hmm. you get a nice flavor that way. It's, it's probably worth saying to people, although it is free on uh, on PDF, there are some links for charities you might want to contribute to as well. Let's, let's, let's not be shy about saying that. There, there is a, a bunch of links to um, very credible uh, charity foundations who are helping now people in need in Ukraine, both military and civilians. So you can make your pick and... Uh, 
As we say here, there is no such thing as a small donation. Every bit counts. Uh, so I was curious, Tasha, like if this, this Vason book uh, full of Ukrainian spirits, I don't know of any other English book in English that addresses Ukraine as a setting or has Ukrainian authors. And that might just be because I don't know enough about what's going on. But outside of the, the games that I think all of our listeners would know, what's it like from in Ukraine from a, from producing content point of view? You say you have a, a, a small community, but growing, but you have mm-hmm. artists and writers. Is uh, So what, what's it like over there on, uh, to be a gamer in Ukraine? Well, initially it was, uh, and I... I I think still is a, a hobby for people who speak English, who can <laughs> read in English. At least the GM must know English well enough to read the books. Some of the books were earlier translated to Russian, and this is a complicated topic with different licenses. And just stop me when you get bored, because I can talk <laughs> a right. bit about it, because some of the companies, they were treating, and some of them still are treating, how do I put it, zones? or regions rather than countries. So, for example, Wizards of the Coast would sell the license for lo- uh, to localize uh, D&D to Russia for Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, and Kazakhstan. So now if somebody wants to translate uh, Dungeons & Dragons into Ukrainian, they have to go to Russia to ask for permission, and of course Russia would not allow. Wow. Because yeah. they're interested to make more money and to sell their books here, which of course does not happen since the full-scale invasion, uh, because we have a ban on on the goods from Russia so but i mean still this is like an, an official legal licensing thing which is why i'm i'm so excited when um, other authors and publishers are recognizing ukraine as a separate country with a separate language and and culture and would sell the licenses uh, so that we can have our localizations which chaosum is one of the first ones we now have the quick start call of cthulhu and we're just about to release the uh, translated to Ukraine and a starter set. I think it will come out this autumn. But also other other systems are being uh, translated officially to Ukrainian too, slowly, but steadily. Otherwise, uh, yes, as I said, mostly if, um, if people knew uh, English, they would read and they would explain to others. We did have a lot of amateur translations, but they're, of course, uh, unofficial. Uh, so different groups would use different terms, um, uh, but it's growing steadily, yeah. And uh, we started producing some of the content. Uh, there are Ukrainian authors who are publishing uh, their adventures on, I think it's like mm, DMs Guild for D&D. Yeah. And uh, drive through RPG for some other system, mostly for D&D. Like mm-hmm. most of the people know D&D and play D&D and then afterwards they start discovering something else. I think that's true at the world over though, isn't it? Like most people play D and D first, or the, it's just the biggest again there is. There are a lot of a lot of games when people are trying to bring uh, uh, the system to their to their neighborhood and to the knowing um, very familiar setting. Like uh, uh, there are people playing Vampires the Masquerade in setting of modern Ukraine with their right. groups because obviously this is what they know and what they're comfortable with, or Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green uh, or like. Um, Tales from the Loop hmm. in Ukraine. That was fun. Stuff like that. But also, as you mentioned, uh, my friends who were uh, doing the Ukrainian um, best terror theme, I was, uh, I'm constantly asking them about Ukrainian setting book. 
and they smile mysteriously and they do not say uh, no. So I have a hope that maybe, maybe sometime soon it, it might become real, an official setting book. <laughs> well, if it helps encourage them. There's lots of people over here who are eager to buy it. I think uh, I, I posted a picture when I bought a couple of the uh, the hardback books of the Vesson book because one's for someone else here that I brought back for it's not just two for me I'm not being greedy but like loads of people are immediately saying like how do I get one where do I buy it all that kind of stuff so yeah encourage your friends to say there's an eager UK market I will but yes just to put it out there uh, technically it was not sold uh, because uh, uh, it was um, uh, print on demand so we had like 25 copies we all had um, uh, downloaded from uh, Drive Through RPG and uh, uh, then uh, printed like a batch for those who already own uh, the PDF copy from Drive Through RPG, and all of the money we raised uh, were directed to the charity, uh, also to support uh, Ukrainians. So it's definitely not for profit, and you could even see that there on this book it was written not for sale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, guys, and it was said don't buy a multi pack either. That didn't stop you, did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> And I already had the PDF anyway, but you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, you made a charity donation uh, for Comeback Alive. Uh, Another one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm saying for, for a future book, if there's a Ukraine setting book or whatever, yeah, if, they're, yeah. if they're being, you know, coy about producing another one, I'm, I can tell you right now, there's people over here who will definitely buy it. It seems it's available, or give to charity rather, but. We'll definitely tell them. They were very interested in a feedback. I, I think I showed I showed them uh, your happy photo with a book. <laughs> well, if my beautiful face doesn't sell more copies and encourage more people, I don't know what will, frankly. Well, it is a horror book, mate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very good. Now, yeah, I've, I've, I think we're gonna we're gonna play as well. I'll, I'll give a, a little hype to our unconventional GMs channel that me and Guy, the aforementioned Guy, have set up. So we're gonna get Tasha back on to play some Vesson from that as well. So if any of our listeners are interested, don't worry, there is something in the pipeline soon. We'll get to see us uh, play the game live as well, which is nice. Yay! Hooray! So talking of actual player channels and stuff, I did mention at the start that you are the co-founder of the Idea Roll channel. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? I would love to tell you more. Is there uh, anything particularly you're interested in? Yeah, how, how did it come about? What sort of games do you play? You know, how well is it doing? Is there anything you've got in the future? We've been running um, this um, channel for... It will actually be three years uh, in uh, October. Um, we, we've been, we started playing a lot uh, during COVID uh, quarantine. I played initially as a student uh, way before that I had a big pause because of, you know, all of uh, grown up boring life. Yeah, and yeah. then with um, the quarantine uh, striking, we came back to um, role playing games and we played a lot. And I think we became quite good in it. And um, we had a, a permanent party playing um, campaign. We were playing Curse of Strahd. And then we started a bit uh, trying exploring other systems like um, Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green and Ten Candles and something else. And a friend of ours who was not actually playing that much, but since most of the company started playing and uh, telling him all sorts of stories, he was like, wow, you're telling really good stories. Do you mind if I maybe record a game or two? And then we started discussing what it would look like if the game would be recorded or if we would play on air. And so, yeah, this was uh, this was the start, the beginning. 
we experimented a bit with different formats. We were trying to stream on Twitch or to stream on YouTube, online games. After about a year, we rented uh, ourselves uh, ourselves a small studio in Kiev, and we played for about two months. And then the full-scale invasion hit, uh, and half of uh, the team was um, evacuated to Poland. The other half stayed, and uh, since then we switched to playing mostly online uh, because of the blackouts and the danger of uh, possible air raids and the lack of shelter near the studio. And um, uh, also, we instead of streaming, we started making pre-recorded games. Uh, also, because of the dangers of air alerts, you never know when they will hit. Uh, and we do not want to keep our viewers uh, near the screen instead of going to their shelters. And also ourselves, because uh, where I'm sitting now, I have a window in like uh, half a meter near me. And if if there would be alarms, probably now I would say, sorry, I need to go to at least to the <laughs> corridor where there is the rule of two walls protecting me from possible uh, breaking glass if something hits nearby. So it, it sort of, it's complicated and dangerous, so we switched to pre-recorded actual play, play games. We're trying to come back to it again now, as we have a brand new member of the team who is very excited, and uh, he knows a lot about Twitch, and he's like, yeah, we have to stream, we have to go on air again. He has different ideas how to make it uh, proper from technical and from security point of view, so I gave him all of the green light, like, try to do something. I will definitely back you up. So we're trying to come back to online streams again, not with games yet, but just with um, talking and, and chatting and having some, not even lectures, but uh, we're discussing different systems, um, some Kickstarters uh, and something else, letting people know that, hey, you know, there is this system popped up or this, or like uh, it's going to be a talk like a pirate day soon. So guess what? We're playing this pirate Borg. So yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I have to say, I was like, I was very jealous of your quality already. Even without the new tech guy on on board, I had a look at the channel and the, the just the quality of production, everything's like really through the roof. Um, as I said, I'm terrible with uh, all of the technical uh, stuff. I'm just there to run a game or to play. Hopefully, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I have an amazing team, and uh, everybody is doing something. And uh, we have very talented people uh, who are doing the design and uh, who are supporting with technical stuff. And if we don't know how to do anything, we're trying to uh, ask for advice from our fellow community. We do have a patron with uh, not very many patrons and, and buy me coffee. But, uh, we do raise some money and we are spending it to uh, increase the quality. Yeah, th this is our baby, we love it, and we're trying to make it as uh, as fun and, and pretty as it can be. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Thank you. And a shout shout out to our patrons as well, any patrons anyway. If there's something you want to do for content creators, support them on Patreon, share their work, tell your friends. <laughs> Don't let love that in now in the middle. I normally do it at the end, but there yeah, you go, listeners. This this makes a huge uh, impact. About uh, several times already, we've been discovering something for the games. Like, ah, it would be cool to buy this or that, and we don't really have funds. And hi, we have some donations. This is the perfect way to spend it to to improve the quality. So yeah, please subscribe. And I will, of course, put some links in the show notes. So you've mentioned several times that you've got a team and you've got a community. Mm -hmm. I just kind of want a sense of are there. Is there like um, 
a network of role players in Ukraine, would you say? Like, did lots of people try to help each other out? Are there lots of little groups? I guess, I don't know, maybe it's the way you're talking, but for me, it sounds like a lot of you are connected and there's a bit more support, whereas I guess in the UK, I don't know how you feel about this, Ben, it feels a little bit like isolated groups kind of doing their own thing and mm-hmm. don't necessarily talk to each other that much, apart from little communities. I think we have a, a bit of both, so definitely a lot of uh, separated groups, and uh, the groups are separated both by um, territory, because obviously it's easier to communicate if you live in the same city, and you sort of run into one another sure. more or less regularly in different clubs or shops or even online groups and stuff like that, but also by the systems. Uh, because you can be uh, the guys playing vampires might not run into guys playing D and D so very often, but I think it's um, it's having a boost now. It's been developing, and people are reaching out to one another. And surprisingly enough, uh, the war also brought people together, including the gaming society. Because uh, uh, when the invasion, the, the full scale invasion started, I moved out from uh, Kiev with my family. We stayed in the country, but outside of Kiev in a village. And um, I was uh, doing some volunteer work, mostly coordinating um, some deliveries. We've been buying like tourniquets and stuff, delivering them to uh, Kiev. Uh, and uh, my initial contact was uh, a guy with whom I actually played a bit of uh, D&D. And I introduced him to Call of Cthulhu because he was interested. And um, he volunteered to go to territorial defense uh, and defend my neighborhood because we were uh, neighbors. <laughs> and I was like, hey is there something you need and he was like everything we need everything <laughs> yeah he's been a student uh, so he uh, he gave up um, university to to go and defend uh, uh, ukraine and uh, this this was my initial point of contact and then i started looking more for like how can i help or who can deliver the things i helped procuring and uh, most of my network was through from role playing games mm. I had some people who were fighting, uh, uh, like players and GMs, and I knew them from from our gaming, and and now they're defending uh, me, basically, and everyone else in the country. And I was trying to to help as much as I can. And then someone else who was delivering these things, and someone else who was helping to procure to bring through the border. And uh, at some point, I needed to have some um, armor vests delivered across Kiev, even. In the first months of invasion, it was like really hard, even moving inside of the city because of some of the street fights and uh, I mean, a lot of was going on. And I was sitting outside of Kiev in a small village <laughs> on a phone and on um, some online chats. Uh, and I was looking for someone to pick up uh, stuff from the railway uh, station and deliver it to the secret location. I was looking through France and I couldn't find anyone because uh, everyone was out of uh, the city. And uh, a guy texted me with whom we used to play, but then we sort of drifted apart and we did not part in very good ways, uh, like had a, a quarrel or something and did not even talk to each other for a couple of years. And he's texted me like, hey, I've got an um, electric car, so I don't depend on fuel. And I'm doing deliveries across the city. What do you need? I heard you need something. And I was like, yeah, I need this and this and that. And we made a great team and he was helping out a lot. And despite our uh, argues uh, or like different views on on gaming, (laughs) 
<laughs> we were there for one another and uh, we got to know one another through tabletop RPGs. And the same thing applies to many people who were volunteering. Like another guy I was helping uh, to, he was defending Irpin, which was hit really hard in the first months. He's an owner of tabletop RPGs club uh, in Kiev. Uh, and... Um, after Kiev was uh, liberated, uh, uh, he uh, stayed in Kiev. He uh, returned to his civil life uh, due to some health issues obtained uh, during the spring operation. Uh, and he switched to volunteering job. Uh, so when we started doing offline meetups uh, to roleplay in Kiev, uh, some of my previous friends reached out to me saying like, yeah, you know, we have this little online chat, which is called uh, Cats and Dice because we discuss uh, role-playing games and we show off our cats or dogs <laughs> or rats or what have you. <laughs> All pets are welcome. Many of us uh, knew each other online but never actually met and they were like, yeah, maybe we should have a come together, know each other offline, maybe game a bit. Do you have a good location on, on mind? And I was like, yes, I know an owner of a club. Let's do it. And so I kind of introduced them a bit to one another. And then the next meetup we make, we we don't just me, uh, meet and, and game. We make a uh, charity auction of different um, role-playing stuff like books or miniatures. And everybody's bringing a bit of what they have. And all of the raised money were given to Lyosha, who is the owner of the club and who is doing all of the volunteer jobs, still procuring stuff for the guys, for, for his... Uh, uh, brothers in arms who are still fighting and this is like a boost and a, a combination of real life war going out there and us playing games and then more and more people are joining and the purpose of these meetups is to let people from the community know each other so we have representatives from Vampire the Masquerade, from Call of Cthulhu, fans from D&D, uh, from guys who are doing their first and only one uh, Ukrainian um, magazine about uh, tabletop RPGs and stuff like that. And then they get together, they talk, and they come up with different ideas of collaborations. And then we invite each other to our podcasts and YouTubes or what have you. And more and more people learn about us. So the next meetup, we have more people and more. And uh, actually, just uh, two weeks ago, I came back from the first Ukrainian-speaking offline convention, which took place in Lviv, DiceCon, which enlarged my experience, for one, even more, because I knew some of the community uh, members from Lviv before, but not very closely. And now we're extending and extending even more. So, uh, yes, I think that uh, we definitely have a lot of separate groups, but we are reaching out to one another. Uh, and uh, it is going really well. I have uh, the best expectations. It sounds amazing. I mean, I, I guess, without getting too heavy about it, no matter what else is going on, you, you find ways of making human contact, don't you? And Yes, and actually it was very weird. In a way, because as I said, I'm a fan of obviously horror and detective games, and uh, I, I've stopped uh, GMing for a while, a few first months of um, full-scale invasion. And uh, when I came back to it, also switching to Ukraine, because I'm a native Russian speaker, I come from a heavily Russified uh, region uh, in Ukraine, uh, Crimea, which was um, annexed in 2014. Mm-hmm. So basically, I had already to flee home once with only a backpack. <laughs> Yeah, so it was really hard switching uh, to gaming in Ukrainian for me. 
and uh, the first game I ran, it was like some really stupid slasher, Simple Red, I think, in Call of Cthulhu, but it's it's basically an homage of uh, all of these uh, bloody movies of 80s, <laughs> with some cannibals running after characters with big knives and axes and what have you. And I was surprised by how many people showed up. I wasn't sure if this is a proper content uh, for people, but actually a lot of people showed up. I got, uh, I, I GM'd an open table, meaning like anyone could join, like the first who got there gets to play. So we had five players and a lot of people came to listen. And a lot of them were internally displaced people. And some of them were veterans. And I wasn't sure, I was like, maybe we should stop it or is it is it okay? And like they said, no, it's it's cool because this is like a horror story, but this is a controlled horror where you know what is going to happen more or less and mm. you're prepared for it. And this is so much more comfortable than what we have to face in real life because you don't know what's going to happen next in real right. life yeah. with all of the rockets flying and, and if you get to get home, if you get to leave the, the other day. But instead you have this like, freakish cannibals running with uh, big knives uh, after the characters and it's even fun and therapeutical. I was surprised and I got a very very good feedback so we continued actually doing it more and more receiving very warm welcoming. So this is also an interesting point of view how even the horrors uh, can help you relax. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It sounds like you're doing really good stuff, actually. I mean, you know, from your point of view, you're just living your life. But this sounds like there's a lot of good coming out of like role-playing games, which isn't something that, not just to overstate the power of gaming or anything, but like just having something that builds community, I think, you know. Yes, and also helping Switch. I, I talk to many fellow GMs and players, many of whom are now serving in armed forces, and whenever they're having... They're going on rotation, meaning they're getting some place to some some time to go back home and relax. Uh, we're chatting, we're trying to meet for coffee or something, and they all say like, "Yeah, when we have time, we play role playing games, different ones. Uh, mostly, of course, D and D and Warhammer Fantasy role play. I think mm-hmm. are the most popular, at least among my friends with whom I talk to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're like, "Yeah, we have a free minute. We we play. It's fun. It helps us relax." And and the more I hear about it, the more I think that actually, generally, tabletop RPGs are very psychologically supportive. Is is there is a concept like that? You get to live another life. You get to to build a different story, to control it more. I think there's a grand tradition of uh, of gaming in in the armed forces. I know personally, I know an awful lot of the, of ex military. Because being a soldier is a lot of standing around, <laughs> punctuated by moments of extreme terror. <laughs> you know, it's um, plenty of like Q8 veterans were playing Warhammer Forty Thousand using beer bottle caps, and you know, it's always it's always incredible to see where people will, if you put people together and leave them alone together long enough, they will probably try and invent some kind of storytelling system if there's a game in there somewhere. Because you just don't need much, do you? You just need the ability to communicate. And you don't really even need a pencil, you know. You, you can you can randomize stuff by flipping a coin if you had to. You know, games will happen, won't they? They'll grow anywhere. Yeah, that's very true. I'm currently like my day job is uh, with an um, NGO 
supporting uh, armed forces of Ukraine too. And so sometimes I get to meet uh, military in my day um, day work. And uh, once um, I've been waiting for some guys to arrive to sign some papers. And meanwhile, I've been preparing for the game because like, it's a game of waiting. I'm just waiting for guys to come and sign in. So I'm preparing a map for Call of Cthulhu. And when they do show up, they're like, what is this? It's like, no, 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 it's just something for my, like, it, it's not job related, obviously. Like, no, 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 show us. What is this? Is it a board game? It's not a board game. It's a role playing. What do you get to do? And they were so interested. I would not expect. <laughs> Tell us more. Oh, so you, you you take a role and you pretend to be somewhere to discover some ancient ruins? That's fun. <laughs> we should do it sometime. So where, where does Call of Cthulhu spring from for you then? I think that's there's clearly our listeners will, will be able to figure out that that's your favorite game and that's that's the one you play most and run most. Where, where did this all start for you? Was that your first role-playing game? Uh, no, I started uh, with... Uh... I started proper gaming with D&D 3.5. Before mm -hmm. that, uh, we were playing something which um, we called D&D, but it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> because we yeah. did not have um, books, we did not have proper dice. It was like way like in early 2000s. So we were playing something, some ho homebrew uh, stuff. Then I got to um, go to study to US on exchange pro uh, program, and they introduced me to proper gaming with um, all of the fancy stuff. And uh, that's what I brought home with me. <laughs> uh, a few kilos of D&D books and dice and minis. <laughs> and yeah, then we started playing more like classic D&D and then we switched to Pathfinder. Um, then, as I said, we ha I had I had a, a big pause. And coming back with the quarantine, we started again with the D&D 5, I think. Yeah, it was 5. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after playing quite a bit of uh, Curse of Strahd, Actually, Oleg, the one who discovered Kraken for me, he is the one who, who is discovering all of this stuff. I'm like retrograde. I find one system I'm happy with and I can play it forever. And he's like, look, there is a Kickstarter. There is something else. There is something else. There is like Call of Cthulhu. Do you want to try and play? I can run it for you. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Okay, let's try it. Uh, he ran one game from the starter set. It was Age of Darkness. And he made a, a marvelous job. We had candles lit and we had to read some ancient uh, spell in Latin <laughs> and uh, do all of the fun stuff. I was absolutely charmed by the system. I loved it uh, because it's less heroic, more mm, similar to the world we live in. And uh, I, I've been always a fan of detective stories, preferably modern day. This is uh, uh, what I love, that the... the these are the books I read, the movies I watch, uh, the series I watch and stuff like that. So it was really close, much closer to what I like than D&D. So I, I was very interested and I started reading the system and I thought, oh, maybe I can run a game or two from there. And actually, I think I, I became a forever keeper since then. We've been obviously discovering other systems too, but Oleg loves uh, to joke that this was the best investment of $20 in his life. He got to run one game and then he got a keeper for the rest of a few years. <laughs> it comes with the box. It's an investment. <laughs> yeah. The Star Set's really good, actually. I mean, regarding Call of Cthulhu, uh, do you actually play it set in Ukraine then? Or is it like you go for the 1920s America kind of vibe? Uh, my favorite setting is Modern Day, and basically 
I don't really rely much on country. I love playing in uh, American setting, but it's mostly because I watched so many movies and procedural dramas set in US yeah, yeah, yeah. that I feel super comfortable and excited about this setting. That's what I love mostly. We run a few games in uh, a Ukrainian setting. Uh, it was fun too, because you get to play in an environment you know, and you get to invent uh, all of the uh, fun parts. Uh, but many of the pre-printed scenarios, at least uh, for the modern day, are, I think, easily transferred to Ukrainian um, uh, setting as well, if if somebody would like to. Yeah, for sure. So do, do you think there's um, there's much of a, an appetite within Ukraine for people creating their own games? Because we've talked a little bit about playing things for America or getting on the D&D bandwagon and stuff like that. And now, obviously, we've got some supplements that are starting to be made in Ukraine. But do you think that there's actually a community of game designers possibly starting to emerge? Yes, definitely. Uh, we have M87 Publisher. They are translating some of the um, systems existing. And uh, they are also publishing and developing their games. Uh, so we definitely have several... Uh, well, I think we have a lot. I'm just not... I, I'm just not aware of many of them, but I know that a lot of people are developing their own content. And at some point I was like really surprised by the fact that so many people would prefer to um, develop something of their own instead of playing something which is already there. As I mentioned before, I find a system I like, I play it forever. I was like, <laughs> I'm happy with it. We have quite a few. We have uh, Cavalry, which is about... Uh, gigantic robots incorporated with humans so every robot has to have a pilot and not every human can become a pilot of any robot so there is a bit of post-apocalyptic apocalyptic world i think at some point they will translate it they have really nice arts and really well-developed system and uh, the author was working on it for years i think uh, we also have a quite uh, famous uh, in Ukraine, Architerica, uh, which is being released uh, in English on Kickstarter this year. It's about alternative Napoleon era, gentlemen and mysticism and detectives and um, a bit of everything. Yeah, these are like the two big ones, but uh, uh, there are also quite a number of smaller indie short like light uh, rules light systems. Mm-hmm. a lot of them uh, so yeah as soon as they're released i would be super happy to to send you a link if maybe you're interested yeah definitely let us know especially if there's an english language version because that's <laughs> oh you think that might help <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm always super conscious and the kraken always brings it into into sharp relief that we go to germany to play this convention and people come from all over europe and the yeah. world but everybody has to speak english if it's quite embarrassing for us really <laughs> but also super easy from our point of view <laughs> very convenient excellent so we're close to time i just uh wanted to ask you is there anything else that you're um you're currently interested in playing or looking at games i mean you've sort of said that you're you stick with your thing and that's it but have you maybe got other things coming up for your channel or anything else that you're excited about at the minute yeah i i love my call of cthulhu i do explore a bit uh, out of it a lot of free league uh, games uh so we've been playing and we'll continue to play Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood and uh, Besson and Mutants and stuff like that. But also, as I mentioned, I uh, know how to delegate. So we have a new team ma- member who is very excited about new systems. And so he is actually introducing now 
me and and the team to Ruleslide systems. We uh, played a bit of uh, Morgborg. Uh, we played Troika. And he says that he has a lot of like smaller this uh, systems up his sleeve he is about to introduce us to. So this is also quite uh, relieving for me that uh, he's taken part of uh, GN and, and introducing and discovering more and more systems, which I got to play as player. And then from time to time, we're coming back to my horror detectives serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's nothing wrong with a bit of variety in your life, is there? Yes, we're, we're actually... Uh, we started as a Call of Cthulhu channel, mostly. And uh, even now, I think we have like 40-50% of our content being Call of Cthulhu games. Uh, but uh, now we deviated a bit from the course. And we're now positioning ourselves as a channel with the biggest representation of different systems. I have, I think we have about 15 systems represented now uh, in the channel. And we are uh, not stopping. So more and more of stuff should come out. And I find it, I personally find it very helpful when you just discover a new system for you as a GM and you're preparing for the game uh, to um, have an overview or to look an actu uh, at some actual play, how other people are playing it. Like, aha, so this is how it's done. It's very helpful for me as a GM. And uh, there isn't a lot of content like that in Ukrainian. So right. we thought maybe we will be this channel who will also show people how it could be played. And then maybe if people are interested, they will play it with their parties. And we have a very, very warm response. And a lot of people are saying like, ah, I watched uh, how you play. And then I decided to run it for my team. And it went well. And this warms my heart. <laughs> That's it. it goes back to what I was saying about content creators it's just wanting some kind of feedback don't you? you just want people saying I saw what you did and now I want to do it and that yes, gives yes. you a boost doesn't it it is it is a boost for me first of all uh, giving me more resources and energy to continue doing it because some uh, some of the comments are, and likes, they're really nice. Like, ah, oh, you're doing a great job, nicely done. And this is, of course, very nice. But then someone comes and says, I, I got inspired by the way you run it. And then I wanted to steal some ideas from my game. And I was like, aha, that's why I started all of this thing in the first place. And of course, when, when you're talking about Call of Cthulhu, um, you're thinking handouts. Lots of handouts. I love doing handouts, and I started from translations uh, of some existing handouts, but then it has such a great um, uh, possibilities for inventing your own ones for every single scenario, even the pre-written scenarios that are out there. You can invent, you can add more, and I love writing old letters, making old newspapers, stuff like that. And uh, afterwards, I would put it, all of it on our Buy Me a Coffee. It's, uh, it's in Ukrainian, it's for free, you don't need to be a sub to download them, but the idea is so that people can download them and play in their games. Uh, because you don't have a lot of that. Even if you download it in English, uh, not many people know English well enough to play with English handouts. And then you have something prepared already. And when we started getting feedback from people who actually downloaded these handouts and played and, and used in their games and came to tell us that it turned out really nice, this was the best possible feedback I could ever get because something I did is used by other people in their games and they're happy. And that's super cool. That's the coolest bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do this for. Brilliant. Well, there you go. There you have it, listeners. Uh, give us nice feedback. 
and uh, I will put lots of links in the show notes so you can follow Tasha's stuff as well as ours. Don't forget to go onto drive through and get the Mythic Face and book, and then check out the the links in the back to give some charity money as well. I know you're all quite generous. And it just remains to say thanks very much for coming on, Tasha. It's been delighted to have you here. Thanks for the invite. And from Ben and myself, that's all for this time, dear listeners. We will see you next time on What Would the Smart Party Do? Bye, everyone. Bye.